we are from Chicago, and if you're a Chicago fan, you understand pain and suffering. Uh, two couple weeks ago, uh, Cody Parkey, the Chicago Bears, went to kick his field goal. It was supposed to get him into the playoffs, and instead of getting in, into the playoffs, um, it went double-doinked off the uh, field posts. Uh, the great part of the scene was behind that picture was the mascot for the Bears, and he was right behind the goalpost, uh, celebrating, and as soon as it point offwards, he falls backwards and just looks up into the air, uh, basically saying, how long? How long, O oh Lord, are we going to have to suffer with these types of things? And that's a small reality of suffering. But the reality is, why is that even still existing today? Why are we still talking about this? So is, we are supposed to be in an enlightened age, but in the last 100 years... There's been over 261 wars, 76 million deaths because of war. And then there's poverty, crime, bullying, persecution, shootings, kidnappings, bank shootings randomly even this week. I mean, if you just look at the news, all you hear is just suffering. And then there's, on top of that, tsunamis and wildfires and just natural disasters and floodings. The truth is for all of us. Pain and suffering breaks even the strongest people. I've had a number of kids who, tell, who told me that when, when 9-11 happened, they, 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 they're now adults, and, and I had them in the youth group, and they would say, I, I never saw my dad cry before until 9-11. I never saw my, it was the one time I remember my dad crying. Pain and suffering breaks, it's all, and it, it is a issue for Christianity. It's an issue the Christianity has to deal with. It's actually the biggest, in a sense, problem of Christianity. Because our faith states that we have a God who's great and powerful, and he's creating, creator, loving, and he's a good God. But it is a crop, an issue that Christianity has to deal with, but it is an issue that is a human problem. And there's all kinds of ways that people have looked at dealing with pain and suffering, all type of ways of how they try to handle it. But it's a human problem, and we all, all of us, all of us, would be like David and say, how, how, how long, O oh Lord? How long will you forget me in this? This isn't fair. With all these situations, why is this not fair? So before we look at maybe some ways to think about it, how did we end up in this first, how did we end up here in the first place? How, how does scripture tell us we got here? In Genesis chapter three, verse for God created the world and he created people to be happy, as Kurt was trying to say. But the reality is most people aren't feeling happy in this life. Why, why is that? God, God created people to be happy and to enjoy life. But verse 4 says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate, and the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and it... Began. The Bible said God created the world perfectly, said follow my ways. We did not follow God's ways. And the truth is God gave humans a choice to choose. And they chose to go their own way. And we are in the situation we are in today because the Bible scripture says we went off on our own. 
And by going off on our own, once we went off on our own, Scripture says that God changed the world because of it. God put us in this world this way. He is the sovereign ruler who let people choose. And when they chose, he changed the world. And the world fall, fell. And there was the curse put on the world. We were all suffering from that curse today. And God did that, Scripture says, because of who God is. It's the consequence of going against who he is, his character, his holiness, his justice, and his love. God cannot go against those things in himself. That's how we ended up where we are. But that's not really the problem most of us deal with. The reality is that when it comes to pain and suffering, the issues that you've dealt with, the things you're thinking about or have thought about, it's really hard to think about pain and suffering in some ways in a, in a logical, rational way because there's more to it than that. But the issue that many people have when they come to, is there a God? If there was a good, loving God, why would he allow pain and suffering? Many people will jump to that and, and, and they will pick up what I would say is a bullhorn and they will just run with it. When, you, when you're out, when you're out, in an event and you see someone with a bullhorn, usually the guy with the bullhorn isn't uh, tr- sitting there trying to get your opinion of something. It's usually the bullhorn guy. He knows what he wants to say. He's convinced. You're not going to convince him at all. And, and it can often come across pretty hardened and pretty hollow. So before you pick up the bullhorn on that there isn't a good God or isn't a loving God, Let me just encourage you to think about a few things. This has been the argument. This is, in a sense, the psalmist's argument in Psalm 13. Could have been, how long, O Lord? He could have gone to the idea that, you know what, there is no good God. That's what people have been debating forever. Epicurus said many years ago, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing, then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing, then why call him God? And David Hume said about 100 years ago, is he God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is impotent. Is he able but not willing, then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing, then whence there is evil? That's the question that we as have to take and all of us have to deal with philosophically or in, in, in our heads. How can we say that there's a good God who's all-powerful who would allow pain and suffering? How, how, how do we deal with that? How do we not just all pick up the bullhorn and say, yeah, that's right. This can't be true. Well, the first reason is if you just believe that this world happened by chance and time, then why would you even rage against pain and evil? If you were just to believe that this is just this, you just existed by happenstance and it's just all going the way it's supposed to go and it just really means nothing, has no real purpose, then why is it that you even rage against it at all? Why would you not just naturally say, hey, this is just the way it is? So when bad things happen, that's the stronger beating the lesser. That's just the way natural things are. 
Well, why is it there is even in all of us this idea of wrongness? Where does that come from? If there is no good God, why is it there is an even un, in every human being this idea of what is right and what is wrong that we all rage against someone randomly walking into a bank and shooting people? Why is that? Why do we all feel that that's not right? Where does that come from? This is what threw C.S. Lewis into a loop. When he came to faith, he, he, he did not believe in God. He said there, there could be no good God. If there was a good God, there would be no pain and suffering until he had to say to himself, well, why do I even think that there's evil? Because if there's evil, then there has to be some standard that set up what is right and what is wrong. And that whoever set that standard up would have to be God. And that slowly brought him back to his beliefs. But before you pick up the bullhorn, why do you feel that there's some things are right and why some things are wrong? Or why do you think that there could be a powerful God, could not have a good reason, if he's all-powerful, to have and allow suffering, even if you cannot see it? Which is what our culture, all of us naturally in this culture, kind of believe. That if I can't see a reason for why something bad would happen, then there can be no good reason. But we're not God. There's these little bugs called noceums. You ever heard of them? I mean, they're there, you just can't see them. And if you were to go in a tent, and we said, hey, there's a, my, my, my pet St. Bernard's in the tent, uh, you would go in there and look and see my pet St. Bernard in a pup tent and say, yeah, there's a dog there. But if you opened up the pup tent and there, and I said, hey, there, there's no seeing bugs in there, and you opened it up and you said, no, they're not, I don't see them. They're still there. So why do we think that a good, all-powerful, sovereign God could not have good reasons that we don't fully understand? Every parent knows this. A couple years ago, we were actually visiting somebody in the hospital and Tommy was with us, he was about four years old. We walked out of the hospital, he tripped on a crack at the hospital, busted up his lip, we turned back in, walked inside, he had to get stitches. And I'll never forget him laying there, and he's got his mouth all busted open, and they, they, they had me holding his head down, and the nurses are holding his feet down, and the needle's coming out of his face. And he just looks at me and says, Dad! Don't let him hurt me. What do you do? Would a good dad not say, stop hurting him? Or would a good dad who knew that the stitches may hurt, but they'll fix the problem in the long run, let him get hurt? Before you pick up the bullhorn, that doesn't, none of those things prove that God exists. But before we pick up the bullhorn, and say there is no God. A good, powerful God could not exist. Think about that. Because the Bible and Christianity, it's a tough question to answer. Someone said there is not a satisfying theoretical answer for us in this life. But there is better than that in Christianity. There is a practical answer to the question of why does God allow pain and suffering? Most people in here, I don't think, are bullhorn people. But if you are, think about those things. But most of the people in this room this morning, you're more what I would consider 
Suffering's not just a philosophical thing. It's a deep, personal thing. It's, it's the question of, why is this happening to me? One of the great blessings and, and burdens of being a pastor is people tell you their deepest hurts. I'm walking out of a Wednesday night prayer service a number of years ago, and a guy stops me and he tells me, he starts his conversation with, here's what happened to me when I was in World War II, and all these ships that we were on going to Europe got bombed, and we were so close to them, and we could hear the screams of everybody else, but they wouldn't let us stop to save anybody. That's how he starts this conversation. And when he passed away, I'm talking to his son. And I said, hey, did your dad tell you about this? And he goes, his, his son said, I, we never heard that story. He, he never told anybody that story. But he told me. For us, pain and suffering isn't some philosophical idea. It's a very personal thing, which I would say it's more of a breakfast booth conversation where I would sit down with you and say, hey, What's what do we think about suffering? Because for, for most of us and for most people, the most the burning question is how to make it another day, how to make it another week and another year. I haven't been through all the sufferings that some of you have been through, but I, I but I know some sufferings. I know what it's like to wake up after an event, shaking. The first thing you do when you wake up, because you and you don't even know why. Many of you could tell those same stories. What do you do with that kind of suffering that we all deal with? I, I call that breakfast booth, where we sit down and talk about it. And the thing we have to remember, even with the psalmist in Psalm 13, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? Are you going to let me go through these difficulties? What he says is we, in a sense, we need to remember, first of all, with your pain and your suffering, it's really personal. It's hard for you to even sometimes struggle with the, the thought of God being good, even if you want to believe he's good, and you battle with that. We have to remember the human contribution to this, that all of us, we cause most of the suffering we're talking about. People are doing the suffering. People are causing the hurts of other people. God's not going to war with other people. God's not shooting other people. It's people who are hurting people. We are perpetrators of hurt on other people. We, we are a major cause to the contribution of suffering. But also there's that other part of this, the natural disaster stuff that we, we can't quite figure out why does tsunamis hit and take out 250,000 people at one time. We can't figure those things out. Bill Stuntz, who was a brilliant criminologist and died of cancer a few years ago who was a solid believer in Jesus Christ and in the gospel who had great back pain for years by because he was changing a tire one time and when he changed the tire he hurt his back and for years his his back pain was there and his leg pain and then he got cancer and the cancer spread so quickly because it felt the same as his back pain so by the time they found his cancer he only had a very short time to live and this is what he said. He said, about pain, though, though I deserve every bad thing that ever happened to me, things, these things didn't happen because I deserved them. And what we've got to recognize, what Scripture says, what God says, is there's a great mystery to suffering. There's a great mystery to pain. 
We can't, we can't put it in this nice, tidy little box. There's a great, if you try to figure it out, and like, there's this nice little tidy package I can put it in, the world's far more messed up and far more confused than we want to believe, actually. Which is why we try to separate ourselves from pain so much. So many people die in hospitals and nursing homes because we don't want to see suffering. We don't want to see pain. We want to separate ourselves from it. But the Bible doesn't say to do that. And the Bible does not do that. It recognizes it. It acknowledges there is this great mystery. We don't know where evil came from. It just is, it's there, the Bible says. God doesn't give us an explanation for all these things. He, he, he doesn't say why or how. He says it's, it's there and he acknowledges this. And so when it comes to pain and suffering and your pain and suffering of how long, what I would say first of all to you, for all of us, is we need to sit to, to learn to listen more. To sit and listen. People, when they go through pain and suffering, when Job in the Bible went through suffering and his wife's situation, and she said, curse God and die, we can rally behind that and think, what, what kind of woman does that? But then in Job, it says, there are things called words in the wind, where you'll be smacked by something, won't you? And your first reaction is not, our God is good, our God is great. Your first reaction is, God, what happened? What, 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 why? And, and I don't believe God. And you go off a different way. And if you aren't careful dealing with people who hurt in a well-breakfast-nook kind of way. You're going to say something that's frivolous and unhelpful. Because what we got to remember is when there's real suffering for us, there's words in the wind. There's words in the wind. People say things. And they can deny God for a moment. That doesn't mean they're going to deny Him three months down the road or six months down the road. So we need to listen more. Listen more and learn. There's different types of sufferings. There's different types of concerns that you're dealing with. What what helps you may not help somebody else. What's encouraging to you may not be all that encouraging to somebody else. We we have to to acknowledge this and know that there's a big mystery to be helped. Then we need to look at Scripture because the Bible is not afraid to deal with suffering. And what the Bible says about suffering is it says that God understands suffering. What Christianity offers to the world, different than any other religion or any other basis, It doesn't answer a perfect answer, but it answers us with a better answer than anybody else. It answers us with a practical answer. Scripture says that God understands suffering. The Bible does not deny suffering at all. When we hear this idea that how can a good God allow pain and suffering, and you start to suffer, you get cancer, your children die, they go off a different direction. You lose your job. You're going through all these situations. What the Bible says is it understands suffering. Look at the Bible. Over a third of the Psalms are laments of difficulty. The book of Job is all about suffering. Joseph's life was about suffering. Scripture does not deny, dismiss, or diminish suffering in our lives. God understands suffering because he suffered God sent a helper in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, Isaiah 53, which gives the picture of the hope that we have and what what the help that God says. It says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him the chastisement that was brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. God understands suffering. God 
came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ and he suffered. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If you were hanging around Jesus, most of the time it wasn't a party. It was helping hurting people. He, he cried. He carried deep sorrow, it says. He was a man of sorrows. He wasn't afraid to cry. He wasn't afraid to weep. He wasn't afraid to look at somebody suffering and look at them and be concerned with it. God understands suffering, the Bible says. That's what Christianity offers, is a person, a God who understands it. And God has experienced suffering. God created this world. Humans chose to go a certain way. The consequences from that came. And God, instead of giving up on the world, he said, I'm going to write myself into the story. And he came in the person of Jesus Christ, and Jesus took the responsibility of pain and suffering on himself. When you see Jesus dying, does Jesus go running happy to the cross? Was he stoic about it? People, there are, there are groups of people hundreds of years ago who would say, when you, when you die, be, be strong, stand firm, hold, hold your tongue. That's not how Jesus died at all, is it? Jesus died with great sweat drops, saying, God, if there's another way, get it off of me. If I don't have to do it, don't, don't make me go there. But he still went there. Jesus didn't die stoically. He died suffering, so he experienced it. He understands exactly what it's like, and he took the full responsibility on himself. Why did he do that? Johnny Erickson Tata, who's been in a wheelchair for 50 years, knows and learned much about suffering. She, she said from the beginning, God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. From a human perspective, someone said, suffering is often meaningless, but it's never pointless. God allows it and uses it for producing goodness. For, for some of you, the things that you've gone through, the most difficult times of your life, you look back at now and say, well, that was, that was very helpful. That was actually some of the more beneficial times in my life. God can take things that he hates and turn them to accomplish what he loves. He uses suffering to wake people up. Tom Zimmerman, whose son's sick or he'd be here today, hated God, didn't believe in God, was a complete atheist. His son Tommy is born with a terrible disease. Within two months, he's dead. But the night that Tommy died is when Tom Zimmerman said, there is a God. And his suffering is what woke him up, which is what they produced, the Tommy's gift, which has helped all kinds of people around here. God understands suffering. If I was sitting next to you at the breakfast table, you were telling me your concern, I'd want to listen I want to learn, and I want to lean you to Scripture and say, listen, Christianity doesn't give a complete foolproof answer. It gives something better. It gives a person. It gives a God who understands what you're dealing with, who suffered far worse in some ways than you have, and he knows exactly what you're going through. He feels your pain, and he can take that pain and turn it into something great. Bill Stunts who the New York Times said was one of the most influential legal scholars of this past generation. When he was dying of cancer, he wrote a friend and he said, 
I don't know why this is going. I'm not sure why God allowed this. He says, but this, the principle of taking the sourest of lemons and making the sweetest lemonades, lemonade is the most beautiful idea I've ever encountered. And that's what God does with suffering. That's what God can do It's suffering. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even whatever you're dealing with right now, with your complaint to God of how long, O oh Lord, you may not want to pick up a bullhorn, and you may have had breakfast with me. We may have talked about it. You may have been encouraged, but at the end of the day, you're by yourself and alone, trying to figure out how to deal with it. So what does Christianity have to offer to you? How are you going to deal with your hurts when you're, when you're heard some help? But at the end of the day, you're the one still dealing with your suffering. When you're all by yourself, what the Bible says this is that God embraces you in your suffering. That's the whole point of the book of Job. Here's Job, who's really done nothing wrong, loses his entire family, goes through all this suffering, he's got lousy friends who come and listen to him. They, they don't help him too much. God, Job takes his complaint to God. God comes back to Job, and God never tells Job why he did it. Never tells Job. But what he says to Job is, were you there, Job? Were you there when I created the world? Were you there? He never answers Job's question. He just keeps going back to Job. But at the end of Job's life, Job just kept taking his complaints to God, didn't he? He just kept taking his complaints to God. He kept walking. He kept weeping. He kept crying. But he was doing all that walking, all that weeping, and all that crying to God. And at the end of it, the end of Job, when he gets everything back and his friends, they need to repent. God says to Job, to his friends, go get Job and let Job pray for you. Why? Because in Job's deep suffering, deep difficulties, deep pain, he took all his pain, suffering to God. Because what Job learned is that God embraces you in his suffering. Psalm 9, 10 says, The Lord is a stronghold. For the oppressed, a stronghold in times of troubles. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. For most of us, the issue of pain and suffering this week is not a philosophical issue for you. It's a real personal deep thing. But you need to have some breakfast conversations with people who are going to encourage you and point you to Scripture. But at the end of the day, you're by yourself. And what are you going to do? Scripture and God would say, to trust me. Do what the psalmist did at the end, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. You may not see any good way what you're going through right now is going to turn out good. You may, you may see no clear way. You may not see God in it at all, but God is near to you if you are brokenhearted, if you feel it, or if you don't feel it. So the first thing is to believe. To believe that God loved us so much to send Jesus, who took the responsibility for pain, and he knows it, he can carry us through with it, and then bring your pain to him. Bring your pain to God. Some of you have pain, 
have questions and feel that because I have questions about my pain and about God, I can't take my pain to Him. Take your pain to God. Take your hurt to God. Take your complaints to God. Take it to God. He understands it. He can embrace it. And He is the stronghold of our help. This is what Christianity has to offer more than any other system or religious belief when it comes to pain and suffering. It's the best. It's better. Because we have a person who is real, who walks with us in it. So we need to believe and we need to bring our pain to him. Someone said this, The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds... Only God's wounds can speak. That's what Jesus offers you today. So keep coming to Jesus with your pain. There is real help in God, our Savior. He's a real king, and we can sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with us. Let's pray. There's a time